There you go, Paul. First time in for the intro. One take, beginning of the season, fresh, batteries but, recharged, holiday in Dubai. That's it. That's it. That's what they call a pro. I haven't come back flabby. <laughs> You've come back hungry, lean and ready for the season. So the World Cup about to kick off. Uh, 32 teams from around the world. No, that's not what's happening, is it? I've got to let it go. No. I'm not ready. You, you, I'm not ready. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. The International Champions Cup marked the end of your World Cup giddiness. <laughs> That's true. Did, did you, you not, enjoy that? Did United win it this year like they did in Louis van Gaal's first season? In no, Germany? no, but it's one of those funny ones where they only played three games in it. So. Um, and it took place all over the world for some strange reason. I think it, I think so. it does. I remember, I remember there was a time when I was not allowed to refer to those games as pre-season friendlies because uh, Bleacher Report was sponsoring the International Champions Cup, which was which meant I had to always refer to them as International Champions Cup games rather than pre-season friendlies. But it did mean that my, um, my preview of the United Games ended up on the official website of the International Champions Cup, which... Yeah. Actually, if you look on Google for United's fixtures, they show the International Champions Cup games, but not the pre season friendlies <laughs> it's absolutely outrageously disgusting uh, isn't it i mean it is a sort of are we are we going to give it any more publicity uh what, what do you think of pre-season anyway because um, a lot of it oh, was very underwhelming and then there was Mourinho moaning i thought it was great i watched every minute of it i've seen i was up in the middle of the night not missed a kick alternatively i think apart from the 10 minutes of this bayern munich match that i've been watching on a stream while we've been um chatting before starting recording um, I saw the Andres Pereira free kick. That was good. And I saw the Juan Mata goal in the first game. And I think that's literally all I've seen of pre-season. So how, how are the boys looking at? Are we are we excited? Are we ready for the new season? Has Mourinho developed a, an optimistic new outlook where he's like really been impressed with all the kids on the tour? And this is what I've <laughs> no. heard. Uh, but uh, funnily enough, actually, you did say yesterday that uh, it's in the tradition of the club to... Uh, to promote young players, uh, Mr. Van Gaal, he called him Mr. Van Gaal, brought through Rashford, and I brought through Scott McTominay. <laughs> <laughs> brought him through. To- I, I tell you what, actually, um, uh, on a more serious note on Scott McTominay, I think he could do with the season loaned, uh, you know, I'm, I, with Herrera, Fellaini, Pogba, and Andres Pereira, who's looked really good in pre-season. Uh, I wonder whether he's uh, he might be uh, and Matic, sorry, and Fred might be a few and Fred and Fred he might he might be a few uh, rungs down the pecking order now, or you know, or maybe not. Maybe he's just uh, he's uh, he's Matic's deputy or something like that. But a uh, season on loan might not do him bad at all. Isn't he the wasn't he the isn't he the reigning managers player of the year? Surely he's he is. straight in the first team squad. <laughs> like your first team lineup, surely with that. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, like preseason, I mean, a lot of guff, a lot, lot of Mourinho complaining about the fact that he hasn't got his players. I mean, I mean, he's forced a few of them to come home. A few. Oh, there you go. Sorry, we're recording in the middle of the United uh, Bayern. Um, Oh, no, chalked off. Chalked off or offside. God, Robin, he's celebrating like it's the World Cup final. He's just uh, not one in pass. Lee Grant, Uh-oh. the mighty Lee Grant, yeah, miles off. Miles off. Good, good two yards off there, yeah. yeah. This is this is the fresh He concept. just won't go away. How old is he? He's like 50 years old. This is the, just will not go away. This is the fresh new content you've tuned in for, by the way. Us commentating on a game that happened three days ago, probably by the time you listen to this. It didn't <laughs> yeah. matter anyway. anyway I'll, I'll stop getting distracted by the stream. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it's pre-season Mourinho moaning about the, the players who weren't there, uh, probably expecting them to have no holiday. Then he'd moan when they all collapsed at the end of the season, which they might do anyway, since uh, four of them have come back a week early. Um, uh, and, you know, not too many great performances. Thumping by Liverpool stings at any time, doesn't it? Although, of course, it doesn't matter, of course. Um, uh, and, you know, a few bright spots. Alexis Sanchez has looked sharp, I'd say. Oh, that's I mean, good. He's, had a, he's had a summer off. Uh, he's not had to go and play any football in, uh, you know, no South American tournaments or anything like that. So he's had a proper summer off for the first time since forever, basically. I think, he, I had think last, looked... he had last summer off for the first time in forever. And then... Oh, there you go. He's double fresh then. Yeah. So um, he's, you know, he's six months embedded with the club now. He played a lot up front and, and he looked good. Andres Pereira looked very good in central midfield. He's been playing more of a six than an eight. Well, when he was, wasn't he, in Spain, like, especially the season before yeah. last. I think he played... Number six, more or less, every time he played. By the end of he's, it, he's uh, you know if he's if he was just a little bit more dynamic on the ball, and he's tended to be in playing in that role, he'd, he'd look a bit you know Luka Modric esque. So what do you I, mean? I, you know. What do you mean by dynamic on the ball? Do you mean like move running with the ball? Running with the ball, yeah, he's tended to pass it right. rather than uh, move with the ball, which is, of course he's very good at. You know, he's actually very dynamic with the ball. Um, so you know, he's had a good preseason. There's been a lot of kids. A lot of younger players who've had some good, uh, you know, good good in parts. Um, uh, Lind- Victor Lindelof has come back midway through preseason. He's looked pretty good. Uh, Jones and Smalling haven't come back. That's been good. <laughs> Loads of people get, inju- get the dig in early already. The injury injury list is pretty insane already, though, isn't it? Which is which is kind of worrying at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah. So so who's out? Uh, Valencia is out. Um, uh, Matic is out at the moment. Who else? Uh, Valencia, Matic, Dalot. Um, Dalot's out until yeah the end of September, early October. Uh, Smalling, I believe, is out. Um, is Jones out? I don't think so. No, Jones isn't Sorry. out, but I think Smalling is. Um, so you know, there's, there's, the, yeah. So uh, Rocco, Valencia, Smalling, Matic, Sergio Romero, and Diego, Diogo Dalot. Are all, right. are all injured. And um, the only ones that we kind of know when they're going to be back, Smalling is supposed to be back um, pretty quickly. It's not not a major injury. Um, Dalot, out until middle of September. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and that's been known for a while. So, I mean, the, the one, uh, we'll, get, we'll get into the, the preview of the season, I guess, um, in a bit. But the one saving grace for United is actually the first seven games are pretty, you know, apart from Spurs, it's a pretty mediocre start to the season, I'd say, which is good because a number of players won't be uh, fully match fit, I'd say, given that they've missed pre-season and had a reasonably short holiday post-World Cup. Anyway, that, that was the that was the, uh, the pre-season friendlies, really. I mean, not a whole host, a uh, whole load to speak up about. I mean, um, the, the biggest story out of that, I was kind of... I was, being facetious, the one thing that I have, I haven't seen any of the games really, but the press coverage, I've followed some of it. I've been doing some stuff for full-time devils over the summer and ended up reading some of the, the coverage. And and um, there was one day when all the back pages basically all had the same story, which was United in total meltdown, players confused by Mourinho's attitude and all this kind of stuff. And then actually the, there was there was a a borderline conciliatory press conference from Mourinho after that, which was kind of interesting timing wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, do you think do, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is just the press. 
agenda against Mourinho to me that seems oh, more no. like an actual story uh I, I don't I don't buy that it's some press agenda against Mourinho of course of course every utterance he comes out with is a story but that's that's you know that's what they feed off of and that's what the Premier League feeds off they need that coverage to to keep the uh, conversation going so I don't I don't believe in some broad-based conspiracy Mourinho is extremely negative um, in his attitude uh, all through preseason, he was quite negative about his players, you know. Mm. And this preseason, so he's called out personally um, uh, quite a lot. You know, had to go at Eric Bailly, had to go at the players when they lost against Liverpool. Um, has uh, uh, has been kind of fairly negative about the younger players, saying, you know, well, we've got hardly any of our real players here, and. And so on. So I think the you know the he has set the tone for that kind of coverage. He, it didn't have to be. He could have been really upbeat. He could have been talking in you know really positive terms about lots of young players getting game. That's I have to say that's exactly what Pep Guardiola was doing because he's had a whole bunch of players at the World Cup too. Um, and you know he's been super positive about his you know some of the younger players in his squad getting a game, and so you know I think I think Mourinho set the tone for that negative coverage. I, I don't believe that it's a conspiracy. No, I mean I I could not agree with you more. I think this is chickens coming home to roost for Mourinho, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if those stories that broke all over the back pages on that day were sourced from real stuff because it was so the the that when when you get a story like that that breaks in that way it does tend to be coming from something because you know football journalism does have a lot of like genuine total nonsense in it you know this is the proof that there there is plenty of times there is smoke without fire in football journalism but not this kind of coverage generally that tends to be the case for transfers and and it certainly tends to be the case on like the newspaper websites where they will just report you know reports in Europe and it'll be some random blog or whatever um, I'm sure yeah but that's not this that's not like the back page of all the papers saying the same thing um I just don't think that's how the media engine works um Mourinho's misery during this tour has been the thing that more than anything else has me feeling pretty bleak about the season ahead to be honest I mean you know normally when we when we are assembling to record our season preview it is genuinely a time of excitement I mean I don't know if you look listen back through the archives of the show I'm pretty sure there's maybe one or two seasons where I didn't predict United would win the league but it's not not that many of them this season um I just I can't see a way that this is going to end well, given everything we know about Mourinho's history and when he starts kicking off like this. I mean, I don't know where to go first in the show. Maybe let's talk about transfers first, because this is obviously a huge bone of contention for him. I do think he he is making a reasonable point that he's not being backed fully in the transfer window. But... I also think he essentially makes it impossible to fully back him in the transfer window by only wanting to sign 28-year-olds. Well, yeah. Um, I, look, there's a lot of reports going around, uh, and I guess we might as well segue into talking about uh, transfers before we get onto the season. But um, a lot of reports going around that United are confident that the uh, deal for Toby Alderweireld will go through. He's 28, 29, whatever, had uh, top 
top quality, top, top quality <laughs> centre-back, uh, experienced, um, played uh, uh, Champions League, Premier League, lots of international football. He'll be a great addition to United squad, but he is old and he has had three really serious hamstring injuries. Um, and that does affect older players. So, you know, I hope, hope it's all clear. He was clear during the World Cup. And if it does happen, that deal, I, I hope he has, you know, a good, very good sort of four or five seasons at United. But it's definitely a risk there. Yeah, and and obviously, for the from the club's perspective, no resale value, which, you know, we have seen that talked about in past financial stuff. I mean, not for a while, I feel like, but I remember that was that was something that was being discussed at one point during the Glazonomics era. No resale value, but also no marketing value, which is another thing that Mourinho's signings kind of share. Now, now I don't think that is a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. You know, buying the right player rather than the kind of the player who will generate the most commercial attention is obviously a good thing. Um, but for the board, when you're talking about no resale value and no no significant commercial value, then you've got to be darn sure that your manager is building to something and that your manager is going to be around long enough to make the best out of the right. players he's got. So whoever turns up next summer post-Mourinho or maybe next December <laughs> post-Mourinho um, and decides he doesn't like Alderweireld, dumps him, and you know, he can't get rid. I mean, uh, stories going around... Um, uh, this summer that United are struggling to sell Marcus Rocco because he earns £160,000 a week. <laughs> um, it, it, so let's talk about the transfers. So ins, we've had Fred, which I, th- Fred. I think we'll talk about. 50 million-ish, Let, let's, let's roundabout. Have, let's have the Fred conversation straight away then. So sure. I, well, not played a lot this summer so far because he, he was at the World Cup and injured. Um, but uh, he, he looks like a very dynamic um, central midfielder can't say I'd, I'd seen an awful lot of him before, but we had a, we had a conversation about Fred before. Uh, good off both feet, passes the ball quickly. Um, uh, is uh, able to go past the player. Uh, very very good in in tight spaces. Um, he got bumped off the ball quite a bit against Bayern. Um, uh, one comment, you know, observation. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a, a good ad- addition to the um, to the squad. You know, he did, he looks different. Uh, than anyone else we've got. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's exciting to me. Obviously, I, I haven't seen a great deal of Fred. Um, uh, you assure me that I have seen some of Fred, but I didn't remember that because <laughs> um, he played against us for Sociedad. Anyway, whoever it was. Um, Shakhtar. Shakhtar. Was it? Oh, okay, right. I thought it was the club he was at before, but no. Okay, so he played against us. So I have seen him, but not, not much of a memory. We've got a conversation to have, right? About how we pronounce his name. Fred. The thing is, you say that, but that's not his name. Like we we wouldn't call we don't call him David De Gea, do we? Like, I mean, but I'm not gonna. I can't bring myself. I would feel so stupid going the full. But it's the nickname. Well, he's Federico, isn't he? You know, but it's isn't it? He's Freddy, right? That's that's what they say in Brazil, where he's from, where his name's from. Ah, I see. I can't do it though. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I can't do it. So I'm going to say they didn't do that in Ukraine either. Okay, I just I just apologise to Fred for not saying his name properly. It feels I'm disappointed we didn't sign Malcolm and Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> I want a full team of Brazilian stroke 
lads who were in the mines in the 1910s. Yeah. Albert. Is there a Brazilian called Albert? There must be. <laughs> oh, look, there's got to be. Um, but yeah, so so the thing about Fred is he, he seems like the exact right profile of midfielder we need. He seems like almost the perfect complement. And I hate to say this, but it almost feels like he he's basically an upgrade on Ander Herrera in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I think he's very similar profile to Ander Herrera and he, he might well be an upgrade. I'll play both. I mean, it does hint at uh, United playing three in midfield more often this season. So, you yeah. know, who, who are you going to drop if you're, if, you're, if you're playing Fred in a two? So I, th- I think it's quite likely United played three, played a lot with a three at the back uh, in pre-season. So, again, sort of hints that you might United might go for that. So the three five two haven't really got the wing backs for that. I mean, Luke Shaw's played almost every minute of well, he's played a lot of minutes in preseason, which is good. I wouldn't say he's looked blisteringly good, but he at least looks fit. I think uh, I think and... it's going to be. I, I I really do think it's a massive ask for Luke Shaw to recover from the last three years. Oh, it's huge ice, but it doesn't look like he's getting sold, does it? Um, and uh, with, you know, four four or five days left in the, the window. Um, Ashley Young's going to come back late. He's, he's also 30-odd. Can he do it again? Um, United got a problem on the right-hand side with with Valencia ageing. Um, no, United yeah. have got a problem on the left-hand side, on the right-hand side with Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> with Valencia, yeah. Well, you know, he's... Uh, He's still a vampire, isn't he? You know, allergic to crosses, and uh, he uh, he's older. Uh, he didn't have a great season last season. Uh, Damian, um, it looks like they're mulling over a whole bunch of potential moves to Italy. All of them appear to be offers of a loan. I was really surprised that he started so. the game against Bayern Munich when with he, Fossi he's Mensa played so the much. Bench. Yeah, it yeah. Well, so they're, they're going to loan Fossi Mensa out. He's uh, he's gone to uh, the Bundesliga, hasn't he? So. Um, or at least I, I don't know. It's been sealed, but that that appears to be the case that he's going to spend another season um, away from United. I mean, uh, yeah, sure, of course he is. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't he? I mean, De Lotte's supposed to be good. That's what people say, but you, you can't imagine Mourinho sticking in a recently injured 19 year old into the first team come October or whatever no it seems unlikely I mean if he doesn't trust Timothy Fossey method going to Hertha Berlin um and you know who had a very good season at Crystal Palace in the end I think played some at centre back some at right back uh I think he'd probably earned a shot at uh, a place in the United squad but uh, I, I don't know if Mourinho clearly Mourinho doesn't trust him enough yet um but uh yeah, you know, we'll see whether he trusts uh, Delot or not. The left, so yeah, sorry. fullback is a problem the, for three-five-two. Uh, because the, the left-back situation is also a massive problem, I think, because um, Ashley Young had a good World Cup. I mean, we put him in our team of the tournament. I got an email from somebody saying, "No, the Swedish guy, the Swedish left-back was brilliant." So I apologise that I can remember neither who it was that it, that sent me that message. I will shout you out, but also um, I can't remember the name of the Swedish guy who was good. So. But let's just say he's our left back of the tournament for the World Cup because it took us a every podcast I listened to subsequent to recording that couldn't pick a left back for the World Cup either. Um, but anyway, uh, Ashley Young is not that good at left back. He's not bad. He's not a terrible left back, but he's 
far from the kind of like absolutely elite option that you'd want in a position which is so important in terms of any attacking shape. I mean, how much of United's problem with attack is about fullbacks, you know? It's it's a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's a lot. And, you know, when uh, Mourinho made that kind of acerbic comment about uh, City spending £150 million on fullbacks... Well, it turns out that's you know it might not be a bad plan. Mm. Um, United could do with spending a, a hell of a lot of money on fullbacks right now. I mean, obviously they were interested in Alexandro from Juventus. They didn't want to pay the fee. They asked, you know, Juve were asking sixty million odd. It would seem, and um, and as a result, United haven't got a left back. Haven't got a you know they've got Luke Shaw who Mourinho doesn't trust. How long? Um, before Luke Shaw makes you know, a mistake or doesn't pass the ball in the right way uh, or does something and Mourinho yanks him off at half-time. Yeah, and also, how long before Luke Shaw loses motivation or kind of does all the things that uh, that we hear from behind the scenes that are on him? You know, because this is the part, a major part of the Shaw story is that he hasn't done his bit either. Sure, but he spent the summer in Dubai with two fitness trainers. Yeah, yeah, but know? he's done that before. We, he's done that before and yeah. then fallen off again. You know, so yeah. well, well, we'll see. He's he's talking a good game, Luke Shaw. You know, he's, he's done that. To, he's done that before. He too. has done um, that. Before. Basically, I'm just very reticent to put. I, I mean, the managers. Uh, there's so many things that I'll hammer the manager for, but I think that from everything that we hear behind the scenes, like it doesn't seem like Luke Shaw is all Mourinho's fault by any means. It wasn't even the point I was making. No, no, no. No, um, no. no I, you know, like, at what point does Mourinho lose faith in him? Um, because it's going to happen. And then you're asking if United are going to play 3-5-2, a 33-stroke 34-year-old, soon to be, uh, to run up and down on his own on that left wing. So Yeah. Um, or, or to ask Paul Pogba to cover for him, which ain't going to happen either, really. So, um, yeah, it is a problem. Both sides, uh, both sides are a problem, and, and it doesn't look like United is going to do anything about it. So, um, in the transfer window. So, do you think that United were playing three five two on the tour because it's what Mourinho wants to do for the rest of the season, or do you think they were playing three five two on the tour because it was what he thought the best option was given the limits of the players he had available to him? A bit of both, yeah. Um, and he hasn't exclusively played that way either. Mm. So, you know, they've mixed it up. Um, and obviously an awful lot of changes in an awful lot of those games too. Because I, I have to say, I'm I'm hopeful that that won't be the way we play this season predominantly. It feels... Because it's very generous to call it 3-5-2 when very often what it actually means is 5-3-2. Um, and, and they're... Having it just seems really unnecessary for United to essentially sacrifice an attacker for a defender, um, given that almost all the teams we play against, we are going to be um, our best, our kind of biggest, uh, the, the area in which we'll be the furthest ahead of them is attacking talent. So it, it does seem like such a shame to say, okay, well, we're going to play, especially since the same personnel will be on the pitch, because presumably 3 5 2 will be Sanchez off Lukaku. Um, and that means, you know, such a limited time for Rashford. And and I guess we should talk about, we talked about transfers. Um, we talked about Fred. Delot is a, a prospect. Um, Lee Grant. We, Lee you don't Grant. want to talk about the mighty Lee Grant. Lee Grant. 1.5 million from Stoke. I mean, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, but imagine, imagine being Lee Grant and your agent rings and he's like, 
uh, I've got some news, Lee. <laughs> What's that? Have we uh, have we found a club? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you could say that. Uh, United are in for you. <laughs> He's like, Carlisle United, Newcastle United. No, no, Manchester United. You would be absolutely certain your agent was winding you up at that point. Right? Oh, you would. Uh, Lee Grant's going to thoroughly enjoy Lee Sports Village, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, the under 23 side for most of the season. Uh, good luck to you, lad. I mean, he's played quite a lot on tour as well because obviously uh, um, uh, De Gea didn't turn up till later in the tour. And uh, and uh, Romeo, Romero, Romeo, I nearly called him, Romero has been injured. So he's had a lot of minutes, Lee Grant, in a United shirt. Might be the most he ever gets. I mean, I'm just so happy for him, and he seems like a lovely fellow, and I uh, quite like the hashtag goal not granted every time he does anything on social media. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro the signing of Lee Grant, but it's obviously fundamentally irrelevant. And mm. um, Joe Pereira played a little bit on uh, tour as well. Uh, took and missed a penalty in the, the shootout, <laughs> yeah, uh, which was really weird because he wasn't going to take it, and then they swapped it around last minute. and... He missed the penalty against Milan and uh, he's been uh, shipped off to Portuguese football as punishment for that. <laughs> and lovely for him to get a season on loan and that's why Grant came in because Henderson left um, permanently and um, I know, wait a minute, which one? No, Sam Johnson Sam, left Sam permanently Johnson. and Henderson went on Sam Johnson, loan. who's like 90 yeah. now. <laughs> Henderson, who's very, very, very highly rated and he's got a championship loan to Sheffield United, which is which is brilliant for him because Sheffield United have a club with a, a really progressive manager and a lot of faith in youth and so it's, it seems like a really good fit um so talking of people that have left the club permanently or otherwise pour one out for your boy daily blended who are you gonna uh, who are you gonna hammer for absolutely no reason now I'm sure I'll find someone. I mean... Half the squad. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's always Fellaini, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, no, one, no one's quite got Daily Blint's hair, though, dashing good looks. Very small face, though, up close. Very, he has very small face. Yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Anyway, going, going back to Ajax, they did uh, a nice, the club from whence he came. They did a nice uh, little... For about the same kind of fee. Did a nice so. little video for him, Daily's coming home. That was quite sweet. Um, I was thinking, like, do you think he's buzzing to go back? He's like, oh, thank God for that. Or do you think he's, like, proper gutted that, oh, no, I'm out of the big time again? Yeah, I, well, I'm presuming he, he had offers from around Europe, I'm sure. You know, there were there were opportunities. So if he, if he really wanted to give it a shot at another big-time league, um, I bet he could have done. He's 28, you know, he's got quite a few years left on the clock. Um, but um, I guess it's his boyhood club yep. or something like that. And his dad's club and all that stuff. And the record transfer for Ajax, which I thought was, you know, it's one of those things that is just an interesting quirk of fate, you know, because it's obviously, he's obviously not the best player Ajax have ever signed, is he? Um, but the, the modern day means that, that that's Ajax's record yeah. ever purchased. Uh, one player who hasn't left, uh, Anthony Martial. Oh, OK. I thought you were going to talk about the one who hasn't left. That, oh, we talked about Fellaini's contract on the World Cup. Yeah, stuff, we did. We? Yeah. I, I don't even want to talk about it. No, me neither. Um, depressing. Yeah, Anthony Martial, who, I mean, lots of rumours, moved to Chelsea, moved to Inter, moved to Paris Saint-Germain, and uh, his agent said earlier in the summer that he wants to leave. Um, and uh, he... Uh, he went. I was going to say he went AWOL, but it's not quite clear. He did go AWOL. He 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 was absent with permission, um, just didn't return. 
it seems. His, his girlfriend had complications during pregnancy. Yeah, uh, which, you know, which I, I think um, uh, humanity at that point should take over, but humanity and football don't go together very well, do they? So, A lot of people um, let themselves down real bad with their commentary around really that. They really did. They really did. And, and uh, um, you know, um, not, not to get all, you know, kind of pernickety about these things, but he is actually entitled to 14 days of paternity leave under UK law yeah. as well, just, you know, saying. Yeah. No, um, Jose Mourinho is a disgrace. Um, not, not, oh, well, not he's he's got a good season. record in uh, in HR tribunals, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the Martial situation, I, I feel like he's the player who is most likely will end up leaving after the our bit of the transfer window closes, but player can still leave. Feels like that that seems almost nailed on to me that, that we'll get to the end of the the transfer window here and he'll still be there but he'll have, he'll leave by the because it doesn't really leave like a terrible hole in the squad or anything um i mean it would be awful and well, sad and... <laughs> it's it's 50 million pounds worth of talent that you'd want to try and get the most out of yeah, oh, Go, no, no I, we, I mean... we really love you anthony and we think you're going to be a world-class player and uh you know we're going to really make an effort to develop you as a player and here are the things that we need to do that or or of course you could just you know lambast him in public as much as possible Jose Mourinho uh, is a disgrace Tom can you just clip me saying Jose Mourinho is a disgrace and play in at random intervals throughout the podcast for the rest of this season <laughs> <laughs> Jose Mourinho is an he's just ridiculous isn't he so that's uh, that's that's the transfers in and out. Uh, oh, Cameron Borthwick Jackson returned and then left again um, for somewhere I've forgotten where. Now he's gone out alone. I, I wanted to say about Martial. I, I would say that I meant I kind of assume that all that that stuff that you just said about him being kind of developed and brought through and all that stuff I, I, that was taken as read when I was saying what I meant when when I'm saying it doesn't leave a hole in the squad is that I mean. Um, he could, in a technical sense, if he leaves and we don't replace him, it's not like a nightmare for squad balance or anything like that. I mean, it's it would be stupid and ridiculous for us to let Anthony Martial leave, but um, I, I, I don't find it hard at all to imagine him leaving after the transfer window here shuts. Right. Whereas pretty much anyone else, I think that would be a huge, a huge blow. Many um, of the other players who have been talked about leaving. But I, one of the big things about players that have left is that just how few players have left. Because, you know, we talked about some of the young players, but Blint is the only first team squad member to have left. So no Rocco, no Darmian, no Valencia, no Chris Smalling, no Phil Jones. I mean, I'm not saying it was that likely that Valencia, Smalling or Jones would leave, but there's been absolutely sort of no attempt to clear out the Deadwood. And we're so overdue for this clear out and it just hasn't happened, has it? Uh, yeah, and I, and I, I think the Premier League's decision to move to a shorter window uh, in a World Cup year was probably not the best one in retrospect. Um, I, you know, I actually think there's a lot of very good reasons for um, the whole of football harmonising around the transfer deadline uh, that is on the first day of their domestic season to stop the um, the kind of ridiculous... Uh, shenanigans that goes on after the football has um, has actually kicked off, you know, which is the reason why the Premier League voted to do this. Problem is when uh, 
no one else does it and there's absolutely no first mover advantage in doing this, uh, then you leave yourself a little bit short and everyone's probably laughing a bit because they, they'll manage to disrupt the Premier League teams uh, by trying to make bids for players um, and uh, a lot of these Premier League teams won't be able to do anything about it. I mean, we voted against it, didn't we? United was, like the, I think, the only Premier Club, Premier League club to vote against it in this in this um happening this wise wise yeah see we know what we're doing in the field of transfers or something Mm. um something like that do do you want to talk about don't all the european season start at different times they they do yeah so maybe they should pick a date first of august you know they give you plenty of time they give you two months in the summer and when it's not a world cup year yeah maybe you could make it like the 14th in a world cup year and the first and every other year hmm that would be sensible, and uh, football administration and that don't go together too well. Um, anyway, um, uh, any other transfers you want to talk about United? Well, what nothing, about, nothing else is there. What about like all the, the kind of players that we've been linked to? So you kind of your Willians and your your Alex Sandros. Uh, I mean, obviously once Ronaldo, and and the fact that Ronaldo's gone to Juventus and not ah. come back. Yeah, yeah, he was never coming home. A hundred million to Juve. Um, interesting that one. Not sure they'll get great value for money on that one. Although there were the usual reports when a player, big big name player, moves off, that millions and millions of shirts that were sold um, always seem to miss out on the actual nature of the contracts for those shirts. Those uh, stories, but yeah. Um, who you know, he's a, he's a player who can still score fifty goals a season. Uh, be interesting to see what he does in Italy and and how long he remains fit, um, and if there's any degradation in his performances. You know, he he looks like a fit boy still, but he is nearly thirty four. He's also the biggest commercial powerhouse in football, isn't he? And he's like <laughs> he brings Juventus. There are there are now loads of people who support Juventus that didn't six weeks mm. ago or whatever. Oh, they they were always Italy's <laughs> club anyway, Juve. So they yeah, had but, broad base support. But now yeah, but now you know, internationalising. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about Italy, is it? It's about the world. So there's I don't imagine there are any new Italian Juventus fans. Um but I'm sure there are an awful lot of fans in Southeast Asia and Indian subcontinent and all over Europe who will now be following Juventus's fortunes intimately and, and that's that's a big I mean Ronaldo is one of the few players I think you you could say genuinely moves the needle on a club's support basically I mean obviously they're not going to become lifelong Juventus fans most of them but for the next few years everything changes for them yeah we'll see um big transfer though Uh, there haven't been any bigger ones have they this summer no, I mean there is what's big. What's, what's bigger than Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid? No. You know, he said he was going to leave, and he left. Amazing. And the difference was he didn't say he was coming back to United, which is so he was in fact purely toying with United's feelings and using them as an excuse to get a new contract. And it was all lies, and he never cared about United. And please, always please, hate him. Please, always can hate we remember him. this. Like, yeah, yeah, and never, never like that. Um, uh, and Wayne Rooney went to the MLS. We talked about that before, yeah, didn't did. we? DC in right. the summer, scored, um, scored and uh, broke just, his nose the other day. J- just a, a, a review of some of our rivals' transfers. Yep. Um, Riyad Mahrez, sixty million to City. Finally, finally happened. This is one of the things that made me think it was very unlikely that we were going to sign Harry Maguire because Leicester are just the, one of the most kind of obstinate clubs when it comes to selling, and it took a mm. long time for Mahrez to get out. 
It did. Doesn't really feel like City needed him, but uh, they've just in case their hundred odd goals last season weren't weren't enough. They've they've got some more talent there. It is Chelsea. A, it is a bit. I mean, I, I can understand why you'd want to sign Riyad Mahrez, and and he will be like loads of fun for their fans to watch and all that sort of stuff. But you've got you've got one of the best academies in the world. Like, I mean, couldn't you? Couldn't you just make do with your like ten elite level forwards of various descriptions and and have like one one academy player in the mix? I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic that one, isn't it? Because yeah, they have got one of the best academies in the world, and um, they have signed lots of players at youth level, and they've got this fantastic complex in right in the middle of Manchester. Um, I wonder whether it's not going to be run. Uh, you know, much differently than than Chelsea's, which is basically a profit centre. Well, what's really strange about it, though, is the difference between Chelsea and City is when, when Abramovich took over Chelsea, he always at least claimed the view was to make the club sustainable on its own terms. And and uh, for Abramovich, it wasn't, there wasn't a specific political agenda to buying Chelsea, as far as we know. But for, for City, there is zero imperative ever to make any money. It's purely about PR. Mm. So it's a, it's a very strange thing to run your academy as a profit centre. Not a political agenda, but the, there was a, you know, it's a, it's a safe bank for Abramovich. I mean, I know he spent an awful lot, but um, Chelsea's sort of market value as a club has certainly increased during his uh, tenure and he'd be able to sell the, the club for, uh, you know, a lot of money Ex- if he needed to. Exactly. And, and all oligarchs need some safe place to put their money and if it's not in a Trump hotel, <laughs> it's got to be in a football club. But exactly, that's the, that's the point. That is, that's precisely the point I was making. So it's a completely different... So Chelsea running their youth team as a profit centre kind of makes sense for Abramovich given the kind of backup plan and the fact that he doesn't seem to be pumping the billions in and he had, the, you know, he's not necessarily in quite the unlimited limited wealth position and obviously he's got more money than anyone would ever need um but that's not the same as sovereign wealth is it where there's just literally zero imperative to do anything sensible right 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 no i think that's fair enough um so talking to chelsea uh they bought Jorginho from napoli mm-hmm. uh, and brought in Maurizio sari yeah um the uh very hipster manager of napoli who's never actually won anything ever um but you know just just so i'd point that out plays real, um, plays real nice football has said some absolutely terrible things hmm should could be interesting couldn't it could fit in well uh, they, they haven't improved much you know Jorginho's um, more on the defensive side um good player but uh you know he's, I don't think he's going to completely transform uh that Chelsea side that didn't do you know awesome last season no, and, and it, Eden Hazard clearly wants out you know he's finally had enough and he wants to go well was it was it the playing staff that was the reason that Chelsea didn't do well last season because exactly the same players won the league the season before, basically. Oh, it's so no Diego Costa, but, you know, that Sarri is the biggest signing for Chelsea, isn't he? Like, that's that's a, mm. a, a big... I mean, I don't know any Chelsea fans who aren't absolutely over the moon that Conte's gone and, and someone else has come in because someone who's actually going to play progressive football must be a relief after Mourinho and Conte back-to-back. As we'll find out when Conte replaces Mourinho in December. <laughs> oh God, I just don't, don't, don't. Oh God, <laughs> um, Liverpool. Yeah. This is this is not nice. It's upsetting, is it? isn't it? It is upsetting. So they've uh, bought Allison, 
Um, so arguably, who would, be, argu- who, who would be great in a team of Fred and Arthur and Malcolm? <laughs> arguably, um, like um, the best possible option they could get in the position they most need to address. Right? Is yeah, that what we're yeah. saying? No, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, he's a top class keeper. I think we've seen enough of him in Syria and the Champions League to to know that he's very good. Kept Edison out um, of the Brazil side as well, which is no mean feat given the season he did. Edison had. Uh, Naby Keita, very dynamic uh, central midfielder. Obviously, everyone knew this was happening for a year. Uh, Fabinho, who's, you know, a very, very good defensive midfielder. Um, it's a rather unfortunate. This is, yeah. And then Jadon Shakiri, who's never, never, ever, ever been consistent. And, you know, he'll do some outrageously good things and and then uh, and then disappear for a while. So I don't actually expect him to turn into some world beater. It's quite nice. Um, it's quite but, nice. But he's a squad. Yeah, he's a squaddy. It's quite nice that they've signed Shakiri, so it doesn't just seem like they've had an absolutely, insanely, amazingly brilliant window, isn't it? It's like we've signed all these real, real good players in exactly the positions we need them, and also we thought it'd be fun to have Jordan Shakiri around. Yeah. Um, I mean, the funny thing is, there is a pattern here of uh, you know um, some of the top sort of top six sides not really signing that many. You know, United signed. Two, one's a younger player, and he signed one, and and uh, sadly Liverpool signed a lot. Arsenal, I've signed you know a few players. It's kind of interesting, you know. Obviously Weird, they've got a new it? manager, you know, Unai Emery in, who you know was um, very highly regarded um, before he went to PSG. He had a hard season at PSG, I'd say, hard two seasons. Um, but they've signed uh, Lucas Torreira, who um, who had a. a Great club with a great season with Sampdoria last season. Uh, very good for Uruguay uh, in the World Cup. Is a, is a very good midfielder. Um, Socrates, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Papastathopoulos, I'm not even reading it. He played for Greece in 2014, so I know how to spell his name because of the Bleacher <laughs> Report job. You know, he's like... Uh, um, when I saw that he was thirty, I was like, "Jesus!" I seem to remember him being a young chap. But uh, <laughs> no, it was it was Costas Manolas who was the young chap. Papastathopoulos uh, was already quite experienced by then. That's Socrates, Socrates Papastathopoulos. Um, Very good, and uh, and Bernalino from uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Lichtsteiner, right as well. And and Lichtsteiner, yeah, free uh, freebie. Um, so you know some decent signings there. Um, Socrates and Lichtsteiner, uh, lots of experience in the back four. Um, they got rid of Lucas Perez, who never, ever, ever played anyway. Um, and Torreira will be a good addition to their, their midfield. The, you know, so they're kind of sensible, but not game-changing signings for Arsenal, I'd say. I read a really interesting um, uh, piece, uh, profile of Unai Emery in 4 uh, over the summer. And one of the things that they were saying is that that like he's one of these insane attention to detail managers, loads and loads of loading players up with tons and tons and tons of video and loads of homework and kind of a Van Hal type character, which is really interesting and and gives a really interesting context for his relative failure at Paris Saint Germain. Because what how do you take that model from a a mid-tier club trying to punch above its weight to a, a big club where you're dealing with big players with big egos who don't necessarily want to be treated in that way. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, except for the bit that says Paris Saint-Germain is a big club. About three people turn up and watch them. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's still yeah, a parochial club. They're huge, huge, huge players, though, aren't they? So, you know, that's 
that's that's the difference. Um, and and the only field in which they're not a big club is the the big pond of Europe because they're they're obviously the the le grand fromage, aren't they? In 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 French football, although of course Emery only won the league fifty percent of his seasons there. So I mean, I, I think if I was an Arsenal fan. Well, obviously, I'd just be relieved and excited to not be going into the season with Arsene Wenger. But to me, this is a a very, very high risk signing. Like uh, Emery, I, I think that I feel like there is there is a very big chance that this doesn't work out, and and a lot of it. I mean, they're going to be really grateful, I think, to have Aubameyang, who is the real deal, isn't he? He's like an absolutely excellent footballer. So I think Aubameyang is is their saving grace. Mesut Ozil retired from international football, citing racism and bias and all sorts of stuff in a, a remarkable, remarkable, a remarkably kind of cogent and coherent um, attack on German football and German society in a way. Um, yeah, and, and he's right as yeah, well. Yeah, no doubt. Know, given that he became the focus of blame, I mean, come on, Mesut Ozil was not the... Bla- I mean, they're not going to blame, you know, Mr Arian himself, Manuel Neuer, are they? <laughs> no. And he was more at fault. Yeah, it was It was pretty disgraceful that Mesut Ozil um, was treated in the way that he was, uh, I thought. Spurs, mm. not done anything. Signed absolutely nobody. This is this is new stadium syndrome, right? This is oh uh oh. I, I think it is. Uh, yeah, I mean they've got six hundred million pounds worth of debt there that they have to. You know, e- even if the income coming in is so much more than when Arsenal moved to a new stadium, so uh, yeah, it's a very different profile for Spurs, um, and they're a, you know a prudently run club generally. Uh, it's uh, it's surely having an impact. So um, the new stadium looks very fine and. Um, <laughs> Kind of petty, but they uh, uh, they uh, it's uh, a thousand seats bigger than the Emirates. It's not kind of petty, is it? It's gloriously, <laughs> gloriously petty. See what they need to do um, at uh, the Emirates is just work out what they can do to add a couple of thousand seats <laughs> in, or a thousand and one seats. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They do the like when they bid for Suarez and they bid forty million and one pound. Um, um, yeah, I mean, so you know, what does that mean for the top six then, Paul? Goodness. I mean, we got to we got to get into season preview time, right? So, City are going to win the league that. at a canter, I think. I don't, I don't, I don't see. There's very much. I mean, every time they've won the league so far, they they followed it up with a sort of really like demotivated, kind of flabby season and blown it basically. But I think. I just do not see Pep Guardiola letting that happen. He's no, one back-to-back back leagues too all intense, over the shop. Isn't he? You know, they clearly have to focus on the Champions League and maybe that's the thing that makes it a bit closer than 19 points. Um, but they've got a squad that's better than anyone's by miles. Yeah, and 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 are living up to the potential of the players and more besides because, you know, he's also getting the best out of a bunch of players who you wouldn't necessarily rate as highly as your De Bruyne's and your Silvers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like awful lot of talk about this uh, in uh, Twitter sphere this summer. Um, t- you know, two camps, Mourinho's not doing as much as he could and uh, <laughs> the other camp, the Mourinho camp and his acolytes saying... Um, that um, yeah, he's right. He's not getting the same kind of funding as uh, as Guardiola. I actually think both are true. Yeah. You know, I think Mourinho hasn't done anywhere near as as much as he could for United. And my problem with him isn't that United finished second and won two trophies in his two seasons. There's a lot of other problems I have with him. Um, and and sure, he hasn't got the same finances 
as Guardiola, and he didn't have the same quality of squad as Guardiola either, right? So, and they, those are the two things that are going to mean that City are going to win the league in the coming season. Given we know that to be true, wouldn't it be great if Mourinho said, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna loosen the shackles, and we're actually going to play some decent football this season." And uh, you know, even if he just seemed happy, well, I was thinking about this, like. Didier Deschamps, who we've been arguing about for a month straight now, um, like Didier Deschamps played Mourinho ball at the World Cup, and I, I get that some people don't like that, and that's fine. But the thing is, he played mega effective Mourinho ball by um, building a phenomenal team spirit and by actually using the solid platform to allow some attacking players complete free reign. Like, that is almost the model for what Mourinho kind of should be doing at United, given the attacking talents available to him, assuming that he's not going to have some fundamental philosophical personal shift and actually play genuinely attacking football. But at least generate a positive atmosphere in the squad because you yeah. need that to play that kind of football. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I'm no fan of Deschamps. Uh, I'm in the Cantonal school of the Deschamps <laughs> analysis. Um, but I, I don't remember him saying a negative thing about any of his players. Of course not, you know. Um, and look at look at that squad uh, during the World Cup. They were very, very together and France squads haven't always been that way, have they? No, over they the have years? not. So it's a it's a big deal to gen and okay so I would say that it's probably easier to do that with a national team for a six weeks window but nonetheless that's not really what it's about like that that is an atmosphere that's built over a long period of time and um, especially like from the Euros on um, so anyway yeah Mourinho has not done that you, you know you said like City City going to win the league by a long way and. You know, it will be it will be the fact that Mourinho hasn't really got the best out of United's tack, uh, United's talent that means that there's a huge gap. But I wonder whether it actually, I I I feel like second is really optimistic for United this season because I think I think there's every chance that United. I mean, the, the top six is going to be ultra competitive. Liverpool have strengthened. I mean, we think on paper Liverpool have strengthened brilliantly and they were already really putting pressure on. If they hadn't had a kind of shaky start to the season, it could have been a very different story last season. Um, they got to the Champions League final, for goodness sake. Uh, easy run, but still. Chelsea, you know, we you have to assume that Sarri's going to do a better job than Conte did with his talent. And we say that Hazard's probably going to leave, but uh, is he? I mean, we're just a few days away from the window shutting now. Can't... No, he's got till the end of the month. but Yeah, he's not yeah, going to no, leave no. after the window shuts, though, is no, he? No, no, sure? you can't imagine Chelsea would sanction that. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Sarri coming in is that he, he uh, you know, is his first season. It may take some time for him to get used to the players and then to get used to him. Will that impact uh, results? Um, you know, will they have a, Will he have an instant effect? You know, it's it's a bit hard to say, isn't it? Same at Arsenal, really, and they haven't. You know, as as we just said, I don't think they've massively improved their squad. They made a few sensible signings, but nothing game changing. The, the, you know, the, you're right that the game changing summer, in a transfer sense. Um, has has been Liverpool, you know. Congratulations, they've won their first trophy in five years. <laughs> the transfer trophy. So um, and 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 everyone's been ready to write off Spurs every season since Pochettino took over, and they've basically. I mean, I know they haven't literally finished higher and higher in the league every time, but they've more or less 
been kind of increasingly impressive every season. Last right, season, and they've got Harry Kane, who's going to score forty goals in all competitions. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know he didn't have a great World Cup, but that's not going to matter at all because this is about shot volume. You know, that's Harry Kane's magic weapon, isn't it? Um, and at Spurs, he will he'll take tons and tons and tons and tons mm. and tons of shots because he'll have he, he the will. support. Um, one one and sadly Rashford probably won't play that much, but or maybe he will if there's. A, you know, you know, he's played two up front, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, something Rashford could learn. Shot volume. Uh, number 10. Man United's new number 10. I'm excited about that. Mm, well, no, it hasn't been published yet, oh, has it? Okay. He yeah, better, it, was just, he better. it was just the pre-season. It's not number 10 until they give it into the Premier League. He better, he better be number 10. You can't, that's, that's too much of a tease to give Rashford the 10 shirt and then take it away. No, it's going to be Flaney, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, no, it'd be Gareth Bale. <laughs> no, obviously not. Um, the the thing about Spurs and, and not signing anyone is I think there is a fairly solid argument to say that Spurs didn't really need to sign anyone. I, has Mr Dembele left? Because there was talk about him leaving. I, no, he hasn't. Uh, right. So, I, I mean, he did seem to be kind of deteriorating a bit and maybe you'd want to refresh there. Um, but generally speaking, most of Spurs' important players that have made the whole thing work apart from maybe Alderweireld, are still going to be around next season. Ali's going to be there, Kane, Ericsson, um, Wanyama and um, Eric Dyer and all, you know, all the lads, all the Tottenham lads. The, the fullbacks aren't, you know, Trippier's coming back off the brilliant World Cup. Danny Rose hasn't even left. Um, so, you know, the, the, it's not like theirs was a squad in desperate need of key reinforcements. True, true. But if you want to push forward, um, and as you say, top six is going to be ultra competitive. Uh, they they probably needed a couple of extra. But, yeah, hey. and they still might they still might do it. They still might. Leaving uh, likes the last minute doesn't Martial FC may go to Spurs. Oh, God, the, in yeah swap deal for Toby Alderweireld. No, actually, it doesn't work like that. We'll pay them fifty million <laughs> plus Martial. <laughs> So what do you make of the people that say, like, Woodward has, like, terribly let Mourinho down this summer? I, I think it's a very short summer um, and uh, deals take an awful long time to conclude. I kind of hope United were doing this a long time before the World Cup kicked off. You'd imagine they should be. Um, but uh, United's uh, transfer strategy has looked sort of scattergun and made up as they go along ever since Woodward joined. You know, the only times it hasn't is when they just outsourced it to agents. Yeah. And it's super expensive. And, we, and, and, yeah, maybe the plug's been pulled on that. Well, we can't do that this summer because that's what Wolves have done instead. Like, can't sign any Mendes clients because they just can go Wolves. That, uh, well, that's right. Um, we've burned Mendes now and... Uh, uh, have we burned Raiola yet? I don't know, but there's been a lot of talk we'll, about... Pog- we'll be having to roll back the, to the Fergie years and go to Pinny Zahavi after this. <laughs> if if Paul Pogba leaves... I mean, Paul Pogba's not going to leave, right? Can you just reassure me? That I've heard people realistically talking about Pogba leaving and I'm, I'm not OK with that ha- even being discussed. It's not happening, right? Better not happen. <laughs> oh, my God. What, what madness would that be? Mourinho legitimately, genuinely annoyed Paul Pogba on the World Cup. Genuinely, like, gave some quote about how the World Cup's the perfect environment for him because he only focuses on football for six weeks. Like, how about because his manager isn't a massive bad person? Um, so 
who do you think is going to uh, be the top six in what order this season, Ed? <sighs> please, please. United. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so nice. I, I'm going six. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, God, well, City. Uh, second, third and fourth, I think, are going to be uh, United, Liverpool and Spurs. It's really hard, isn't it? Or Chelsea uh, or Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> So second, third and fourth is going to feature three out of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal and Tottenham, yeah, but not necessarily right. in any course, order. After, after Wolves sign Messi <laughs> and Neymar and Mbappe on transfer deadline day, it might be them. Uh, uh, all right. So all right. Which we, I can't, can't sit on the fence here. OK. Uh, City, Liverpool, United, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal. OK. I have gone for... Very, very, very reluctantly and against every instinct in my pre-season habits, I've gone City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Tottenham. But I don't really believe that. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking it's ridiculous to think that Arsenal are going to finish above Tottenham this season. So oh. let's swap those around at least. But I think I think Liverpool, City and Chelsea are all going to finish above us. And, and, and Tottenham might. And I wouldn't even be that surprised if Arsenal do. Oh. God, you've gone negative over the summer. It's just, you? it's so. You, you want to watch less of that France team? They're the, all a bit Mourinho the, ball. The thing is, like the, the potentially good version of events for United, like for it to really work, and really, I'm talking about it really working is more or less us kind of coming within genuine touching distance of City. I think they're just between the manager and the squad. They're just in a they're in a slightly league of their own, City, and and it'll be about if they implode. That's the only thing that gets us really close. But the kind of best case scenario for United, De Gea is still there and he has a brilliant season. Um, we sign another defender and somehow um, one of he and Bayern Lindelof form a natural manageable partnership. Delot takes over at right back from Valencia and comes good straight away. Somehow Luke Shaw comes. Like this, none of that's going to yeah. happen. So the fullbacks are going to be an actual big problem. But midfield could be really functional. And we have got bags and bags and bags of attacking talent because you know, everyone's saying Alexis has had a brilliant preseason, which would be wonderful because we definitely didn't see the best of him apart from that second half against City. Um, you've got Fred, so Pogba could be loads more effective. Lukaku had a superb World Cup right up until the semi final. So, you know, he's and he's Romelu Lukaku, he's brilliant mm-hmm. uh, so you know and then you've got your supporting cast of forward players Andreas Pereira maybe sure but it, it's all the same things that had to go right uh, as last season yeah for it I to agree. go right for yeah. United you know but, apart and- from Sanchez Sanchez being you know there is a, genuinely a, like a new signing quality to Alexis Sanchez given he only arrived hmm. in January yeah, sure, but it wasn't a net positive, was it? Because it, it ruined uh, Martial and Rashford's season, basically. Anyway, uh, in the last uh, minute, two minutes now, uh, United have confirmed that Marcus Rashford is the number 10. Yes! Yeah, I said. Yeah, we can't, we can't win the league. You, you're such a sucker. You know, I love they've it. put out some feel-good news just to, <laughs> just to you know, mask everyone from the disaster of pre-season. I mean... Listen, it's, it is genuinely lovely that Marcus Rashford is United's new number 10. And that that is that is a really nice thing. So good on him. Um, I hope I hope he keeps that number for the next, you know, 15 years, basically. 
um, because he becomes absolutely brilliant. And you know, you said Sanchez wasn't a net positive on United last season, and that's exactly what I'm saying. He wasn't a net positive on United last season, but he might end up being a net positive on United this season. And, and that's why I'm sort of saying there is a kind of like a new signing factor. I mean, the, the famous kind of Ever and Vidic example of how they kind of looked a bit shaky and took a while to adapt, and then they were brilliant the season after could easily be the case for Sanchez. Uh, yeah, true. He could have a very big season for United and, and he has looked sharp. So um, that's good. But it's, it's, it is at the expense of United's new number 10. Mm, that's true. No doubt. No doubt. And they especially get their, their old number 11. <laughs> yeah. I'm not happy. Um, all right. So, I mean, I don't know. Does that count as the season preview? No, let's do, let's do some other predictions. Who is going to be the first manager sacked this season? Oh, um, who, who's the manager of Cardiff? Neil Warnock. Yeah, he's gone, definitely. Yep. Um, um, I think uh, Maureen might go as well at Southampton. Yep. Nearly got them relegated. So um, uh, if ever there was a man to take on David Moyes' mantle as you know, sucking the lifeblood out of a team, it's Maureen. And it's just a shame to see Mark Hughes' face and not think of a hero. That's what, that's what happens when I see him now. Um, I've, got, I've got Mark Hughes, but you going for Neil Warnock? I pick, I pick yeah, I think I think I think it'd be Warnock. He, he's also a quitter, isn't he, Warnock? So they have a bad start to the season, and he's gone. Vincent Tan too. Like Warnock has tried over and over and over and over again in the Premier League, and he's just still a very good Championship, very good at getting teams out of the Championship. And that's that is a skill set. It's no mean feat the amount of teams he's got promoted, but he just he's not he's not at the level of a Premier League. Um, I've gone for Huddersfield, Cardiff, and Southampton to get relegated. I think Cardiff will be the only. I think Fulham and definitely Wolves will have enough. I think Fulham. Style will suit the Premier League better than the Champions Championship, and I think that Wolves yeah. Wolves are Wolves are a Premier League club now. It's ridiculous, but that's the truth. Uh, yeah, they they have spent like they are um, of the strugglers last season. Uh, West Ham probably all right. They've, brilliant window, been, West Ham. Like they've, they've, brilliant window, yeah. But they do have no. They don't have David Moyes' manager. Oh, no, exactly. There you go. Brilliant window. Yeah. <laughs> Who is their manager? I have no idea. I'm looking this up now. West Ham United manager is Manuel Pellegrini. Well, now, I'll tell you what, that's come as a shock to the system, that has. I don't know whether that's good or not, because he's a very difficult character to understand, Manuel Pellegrini, isn't he? Like, is he a good manager? He won the league, I guess. Yeah, looking at this, the strugglers... Of the strugglers, uh, I think yeah, Cardiff are done. Huddersfield's gonna—it's gonna be hard for them, isn't it? Yeah, you know? I, I think they're, they're very hard for them. I mean, I, I basically Watford as well. I, I've picked the two because the thing is, Watford, West Ham finished nine points clear of relegation. Brighton, Brighton finished seven. Watford finished um, eight. But Huddersfield and Southampton were like three and four points off relegation last season when. You know, the bottom three were all total garbage last season. Minus 33, minus 28, minus 25 in goal difference. Huddersfield had a minus 30 goal difference last season. I can't imagine it's unlikely that they're going to go down. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's going to be tough for them, I'd say. They only scored 28 goals in a 38-game season. That is not a lot of goals. And they conceded 58 Huddersfield are down. I mean, who knows? They've, uh, they've signed a lot of players. I just don't know who any of them are. And that doesn't mean they're not good, obviously, because I'm ignorant about football. But, you know. 
Terence Congolo. Yeah, I remember him. I feel like we've definitely been linked with him at some point. Adama Diakabi. Nope. I, I don't remember seeing him. Uh, Monaco Reserve, I'd say. Uh, Ramadan Sobi, don't oh, remember that's, seeing that's him. that's a name I know. Did, I know that name. Did, did he play much for Stoke? Don't remember. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Um, who's going to win the Champions League? Well, hopefully not Real Madrid. I'm fucking sick of them winning the Champions League. Um, I wonder if, will United give it a go? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so pathetic. It was so not not to win it, and I'm I'm changing the subject. Right. Um, United will not anywhere near be a favourite to win the Champions League, obviously. But it was so pathetic the way that the team went out last season. W- will Mourinho have learned anything from that? Um, I mean, that was. Hopefully, he won't choose the Champions League knockout rounds to have a random power grab this time around and drop Alexis Sanchez or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah, because it was Pogba last time. Pogba, that was Pogba for McTominay, wasn't it? Barcelona are having an interesting transfer window, right? Aren't they? Um, uh, haven't sold Dembele yet. Some people thought they might dump him after a season, right. a bit harsh since he started last season injured. Yeah, um, uh, did sign. Uh, Arturo Vidal. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I had no idea. That's remarkable. Um, yeah, so, uh, cl- you know, clearly want to tighten their grip on the uh, on the Spanish league, I mean, which they may well do. Which there's a huge opportunity to do. I, mean, I saw serious, genuine rumour that Luka Modric might be on his way out as well. At least Modric and Ronaldo in the same windows. And Zidane's gone, so, you know. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, um, I can't believe that they'll allow Modric to go. I mean, um, the president uh, was saying uh, uh, he's worth seven hundred million, <laughs> which is interesting since Ronaldo's only worth a hundred. Apparently, I mean, um, so they uh, they signed a new centre back, um, Clement Leglet from Sevilla. Um, who, yeah, no, I remember seeing him. He's a good player. Uh, they signed Arthur, Arthur, and Malcolm. <laughs> And that was brilliant. She's brilliant. <laughs> I, I I reckon you could put a, a full eleven together of uh, of uh, you know vintage English names for a Brazilian team. I think that would be beautiful, and I'd like to see it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the kind of thing I'd do on Championship Manager with cheat mode on. Yeah. Um, and Arturo Vidal, who I just mentioned, you know, he's obviously getting on a bit, but he's uh, with um, uh, you know with uh, a few of. Barcelona's midfield, sort of, you know, of their great midfield now having retired or, or you know, moved on well. Um, of course, they lost Andres Iniesta to Japan in a $30 million contract or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, he's he, he's going to add a bit of experience in that midfield. Yeah, um, so interesting window for them. I, I mean, I've, I've, I think Juventus are going to win the Champions League. I don't. I don't see any good reason why Juventus can't win the Champions League. Is actually. Oh no, what they I certainly say. can because they've been a, a you know a, a top club for the last few years in the Champions League, haven't they? And and they signed Ronaldo, who knows how to win the Champions League. He's been the top scorer in every Champions League for the last however many years, and it's not like Juventus are not going to create chances for him. Like him and Dybala up front, <laughs> that's absolute madness. Like, they, I, I think Juventus are going to be. 
I, I think Ronaldo is a, a complete and I was obviously not particularly uh, revolutionary analysis, but I, I do think Ronaldo, even at thirty four, is a, a total game changer for Juventus because it, it, he. I don't know if you know this, right? But he just scores a lot of goals all the time. And I'd heard. I'd heard. It's a, yeah. it's a big deal. Who's going to be top scorer in the Premier League? Um, one of Kane, Lukaku, or no. Aguero. No, <laughs> that's. No, can't just. That's not how the predictions game works. Mark, Marcus Rashford. <laughs> no, you got to pick one. Uh, I'm I'm not picking that fella from Liverpool. Okay. He's he's had his one season. Uh, he's going to spend the season moaning about his injured shoulder anyway. <laughs> I can't. You can't just because he plays for Liverpool. You can't attack Mo Salah's character. I can. Okay. I can. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I I think there's you know there's a few question marks about his character since he spent the summer hanging out with you know murderous dictators. He was absolutely fuming about that, by the way. Like, and he was like may well retire from international football because of how the Egyptian FA manipulated and used him for political ends. Hmm. Mm. He still stood there with a shit-eating grin, <laughs> taking a photo, didn't he? Um. Anyway. He if he if he if he's not going to win top scorer who is Hurricane um, and uh, you know look Salah um, he uh, he obviously had very good XG before coming into Liverpool anyway um, but he definitely uh, overperformed a little bit at Liverpool so we'll see whether whether he does that again not sure about it and plus you know they've got so many good attacking players that they may share the goals around a little bit I really really wanted to be Romelu Lukaku so much but I think I think Harry Kane's going to do it again because I just I just think he's going to he's going to score the biggest percentage of his team's goal out of goals out of any of those top sure. teams but you know what like, Lukaku's going to score 30 goals or there or thereabouts I mean, he he'd, got he'd six... score more if, if United like you know actually attacked a bit he only got 16 in the league last season I'm talking yeah, about the true. league so it's if he has 30 goal season, then he's doubling his output from last yeah, season. Basically. He won't do that. Um, the uh, Aubameyang, I think, is genuinely a contender to be top scorer in it because I, I do think Arsenal will create chances and I think they'll still be. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows what character their team's going to have now that Wenger's gone? It's going to be fascinating to see. So, United's um, first run of fixtures, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, is really fortunate, really. Leicester at home. I mean, it's not not like an easy game or anything, but you can't complain about that as a start. You can complain about the start time and day, but um, I can't go to that. I, I could have gone to that game. I was offered a ticket for that game. Maybe I wouldn't have been offered for the ticket for it if it was on Saturday, to be fair, but anyway. Um, Brighton away, decent. Spurs at home, tricky. Burnley away. On Monday night. Burnley away, tricky. Watford away, not tricky. I mean, we might lose, but it's not a tricky game. Wolves at home, I'm glad that's at home. Uh, and West Ham away, we'll see where, where they're at by that that time. You know, I know it should be like, oh, yeah, great. Way. You know, Brighton, Burnley, Watford, Wolves. And then Newcastle at home. Yeah, that uh, one. Before Chelsea. That one's good. Um, look, United's first seven games is what you'd hope for. Um, you know, the models, uh, I'd... Red um, would you know predict United are going to win m- many of those. So um, 
You don't need to look at a model to predict that. <laughs> no, there was a, I, I'm saying that because uh, there was someone on Twitter who'd done a, a prediction, a sort of trend line for every single club in the Premier League. Right. Um, based on, you know, at this point, and, you know, it, it can't be a super accurate model with no data, um, predicted uh, results in each game. Right. So, anyway, a good opening seven games for United. A very good finishing few games for United as well, as it stands. Sure, but let's fall off that cliff when we come to it, right? Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Cardiff in the last three games. (laughs) Okay, Cardiff playing with freedom and uh, having already gone down and they'll beat us. As United chase down that fourth place. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was was reflecting on this and this is the first season I've ever not been excited about United, ever. My excitement level is slightly higher than it was an hour and 15 minutes ago when we started recording this, but it's still not high by any means. I mean, you know, after Fergie left and Moyes was coming in, it wasn't like I thought Moyes was a good appointment, but it was kind of exciting to see what happened. And we were, we had just won the league and Van Persie was absolutely killing it. So it didn't seem like it was all about to completely crumble in the way that it did. And plus it was just so fascinating to see what would happen. Then Van Hal comes in in a wave of excitement and enthusiasm and, you know, brilliant football in the 2014 World Cup. Then then at the end of that season, it looked like his team had finally clicked and the next season was going to be great. Then there was the relief of him going and the kind of excitement of uh, Pogba and Zlatan and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, we came into last season on the back of Stockholm and it felt like good you know, it felt like something might be happening and started the first 10 games, 4-0 FC and all that malarkey and let the horses run free. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And he got more and more and more miserable. And he's been so miserable this summer. He sapped all my joy and enthusiasm ahead of this season. Yeah, but after United win 5-0 on Friday night. <laughs> then we advocate for the league to just stop there. Yeah. Um, oh, Twitter's going to be fun after United lose one 0 to a Jamie Vardy goal on Friday night. <laughs> Listen, we're either going to be top, bottom, or second in the league. <laughs> uh, ouch! Um, after after Friday, I mean. Okay. Any more? Uh, any more predictions? Funniest transfer of the summer? Mm, I mean, Lee Grant probably. <laughs> Well, there's another goalkeeper. You know, you know who went to Chelsea? No, Rob Green. <laughs> really? Yeah, 38 years old. Okay. Ah, oh, is that better than Lee Grant? I think it is. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's funnier than Lee Grant though. Like Rob Green played at a World Cup. Lee Grant has never actually. Maybe Lee Grant has played at a World Cup. To be fair, or a Euros at least. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well, Rob Green went to Chelsea. Well, I never. That's up there. It's a third-choice goalkeeper that's the funniest transfer of the summer anyway, one way or another. Uh, yeah. Um, so what was the narrative of this season then? You know, it, it starts off well and then it gets a bit difficult. I know. You have to get a few injuries in the international windows that come up in September and October. I don't think it's going to start well. I think we're going to struggle in the early weeks of the season. Mourinho's going to fume 
complain that the board haven't backed him. And I, I was going to say he'll be gone by Christmas, but we we don't sack our incompetent managers during the season, pretty much. We wait until they're mathematically certain not to get Champions League football, so we can't salvage yeah, so, anything so from what, the season. January or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, get the gallows in gallows humour in early. Oh yeah, this is going to be gallows humour season. So if you don't like that stuff, sorry. Um, it might yeah, it, it, it might not turn out the way that everybody everybody, including Mourinho, thinks it's going to turn out. <laughs> no, sure. There's there is a um, there's an alternate universe version of the season ahead where all of our big players show up. The dressing room kind of almost takes control of itself in a way, and kind of um, and bonds and decides to just go with Mourinho rather than fighting him. And Mourinho kind of responds in kind, and we actually build a workable unit, and all our best players play brilliantly. It just seems like a real long shot for that to happen. Mm. And they've, we're still going to have Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia at fullback. So <laughs> even then, it might not work. <laughs> um, yeah, true. Um, so you said you think we're going to finish third. I've said we're going to finish fourth. Or oh, did you well, say third? You didn't say second, did you? I think I think I said third. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and it, it seems right now to be the the sensible choice. I mean, if United do complete the Toby Alderweireld signing, he'll go straight into the team. He'll uh, he should play alongside Eric Bailly. He might not do because Mourinho seems to have a disliking for Eric Bailly. But um, uh, and you know, United would be very strong in the you know, centre of defence and in goal. Uh, maybe that gives Mourinho a little more confidence. It's not like United conceded a lot of goals last season, although that was, as we spoke about before, entirely down to David Haya. Yeah, spoiler warning, that does not give Mourinho more confidence and he does not let the horses run free. Spoiler warning. Oh, all right. All right. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, I was trying to make the, the bull case here for <laughs> United doing better than we expect. It could happen. You know, we've been wrong many times on this podcast. Many, many, many times. And I don't remember when. <laughs> There's no recordings of it. <laughs> um, but it just, yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll have fun, though. We'll, we'll enjoy going through whatever it is we go through. We we somehow managed to have fun during the Moyes season on this show, so we'll, we'll keep providing you with uh, vaguely entertaining... We've made a commitment, me and Ed have, that we're going to listen to every show back so we don't repeat ourselves quite as much as we did last season. Um, so that's what we're going to, that's our promise to you, the listener, is we're going to try and repeat ourselves less. So Ed, feel free to call me out on any time I repeat myself on this show. I, I, I will do, yeah. So next week's show, which will be about three minutes long <laughs> after we've cut out all the Mourinho <laughs> negativity following United's 1-0 defeat to Leicester. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to predict a result for that game. 4-0 United, uh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm going to say I'm going to say 2-1 to United. Okay. I'll go with the 2-0 win. I'll go with the 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 Southampton Friday Night Lights game from two seasons ago. I'll go with Leicester at home from last season. 2-0. Solid. 2-0. Solid. Good good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> good so, stuff. classic rank cast. Aaron 20 minutes of how terrible everything is. Two two predictions of a win on United's next game. It's classic. <laughs> Start as of you course. mean to go on. What's going to be the starting eleven actually before we go? Uh, uh, De Gea, yeah, Darmian, 
unless he's gone, surely they'll. I mean, they, they've no, they can wait. The of, they, yeah. got, they can wait. Yeah, yeah. Damian then, because there's no one else. Uh, by Lindelof, because they'll sign Alderweireld at like midnight on Thursday. Yep. Uh, sure. Yep. Fred. Yep. Matic. Is he fit? Nope. He's not fit, is he? Nope. Fred Herrera. Yeah. Pereira. Okay, yeah. Well, there's no one else. No, you're right. Um, Unless he goes with the three at the back. Yeah. He might do. Actually, I think he'll go with the three at the back. But then you still need three midfielders. Still need three midfielders, but I'm missing the third centre-back, which uh, I guess will be Jones if he's fit. Yeah. Um, the three midfielders and then... Um, uh, Sanchez and uh, Rashford up front. Story checks out. I think I agree with that. I think that's going to be the starting eleven, and I think uh, I think it should be enough to beat Mares less Leicester. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, um, we hope you're with us for the ride this season. Um, any feedback, you can just give it to Ed because I'm not coming back on Twitter for the whole of the season. Um, oh, go on, no. go on. Can we persuade you? Go on. Absolutely. On. I mean, I'm telling you, like, less than, like, trace elements percentage chance, less than 1%. We know you lurk, anyway. I don't I don't have an account for lurking. I sometimes yeah. read tweets, but that's not the same as actually lurking. Lurker. Ed, you, you could just throw words around that aren't... It's fake news. I'm not having it. <laughs> oh, oh, fake news. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I know you're on Twitter a lot. I know you love it. Really, you can't you can't give it up, and you want to return. I mean, literally, literally, none of those things are true. All right. Anyway, talking of a load of things that aren't true, come on, United, we're gonna win the league again. We're gonna win the league. Uh, Under 23s. 20 times, 20 times, Man United. 20 times, 20 times, I say. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for the season. Oh, you, uh, you, as well as... You started talking before I got to the punchline. No. 20 sorry. times, 20 times, Man United. And we'll make it 21 in May. That's it. 2023. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I tell you what. What you can do this season is uh, watch a bit of the uh, the women's sides. So um, they've got a very young team, very, very young team, um, and a very interesting coach, you know, captain more than 100 times by England. It's their debut season in the women's championship. Uh, when you say you can what? watch them, you mean if you live in Manchester or are If you live in Manchester or, or near Lee Sports Village, yeah, uh, because I, I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of TV coverage of them. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll follow along this season. The under-23 side should be very good this season. Um, they've, you know, revamped a little bit uh, following their relegation. The under-18 side should be very good. Um, and, uh, you know, less of the negativity of the first-team manager. All right, so you're saying we have to... I have to get an MUTV subscription. I think you might have to. I think you might have to bite a bullet and pay the 40 quid or whatever it is. All right. Yeah. All right. Lining the Glazers' pockets. Yep. All right, fine. I'll do that. No, I don't want to watch any more football. Already, The thing about watching Man United's first team is it makes me really not want to watch any more football. So I'm not, I can't, I can't commit to watching another three games a week. I can't do it.
<laughs> All right, I'll watch a little bit. All right, good. Uh, and uh, give you reports on it. And and we'll see you lot um, sometime after the 18th of August. I know it's a bit of a gap. Yeah, but, uh, we can't, can't believe we've, we've had a tougher gap straight away. But because um, um, producer Tom um, is going on his holidays and he, the well-deserved break, um, so he's back on the 18th. It's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> we, we, it's outrageous. <laughs> Well, we play on the 19th, so I guess we'll, we'll record after the Brighton game and get the show up that following week. Um, all right. All right. Take it easy, everyone. We'll see you then. See you then. Hello, everyone. Season preview show was brought to you by the people who back us at patreon.com slash rankcast. Um, we don't want to take sponsors from all the people that sponsor all the podcasts. So, uh, you know, you all know where you can get raises from and also where you can do daily fantasy sports or whatever it is that, that sponsors podcasts but we uh, we don't want to take sponsors and advertise stuff to you so instead we'll just advertise ourselves um this is a crowdfunded show and it will stay that way patreon.com slash rankcast to get involved if everyone who supported us um who listened to our show just gave us uh, one dollar a month we'd be set um so uh, all all pledges big and small are gratefully appreciated if you choose to back us at um five dollars a month plus vat um every month uh, then you'll get a little bit of bonus content at the end of every show i say a little bit this this week for some reason the show wasn't long enough so we talked for another half an hour about premier league kits nigeria in it nigeria influence that's why it's another green kit i would say in fact that away kit is maybe the Closest in colour to the that Nigerian kit that sold mm. so well. Looks like a goalkeeper's kit, yeah. I mean, West Ham. Uh, oh, they dropped their sleeves. <laughs> just, just a little detailing around the bottom of the sleeves, but they haven't got the uh, the sky blue sleeves. A very, very little blue in the claret. Hmm. Um, good pictures of uh, of old old men that used to play for West Ham a long time ago in the home kits, though, in the marketing. Trevor Brooking used in the marketing. Not something I expected to say in 2018. <laughs> no. And Carl, uh, a man Cole who in the can away kit, talk he... without breathing for five minutes and yet never actually make a point. So what I'd like to know is, because you could be talking about me at that point, um, what I'd <laughs> like to know is they've got Trevor um, Brooking modelling the home kit and Carlton Cole modelling the away kit. Now, is that Carlton Cole current squad member or Carlton Cole West Ham legend? legend. It's a bit of a grey area, isn't it? Like... <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, is Carlton Cole still alive? <laughs> Mark Noble is all in the home kit. Same thing in the away kit.